Greetings, new listeners. ParentWise is meant to be listened to in order, so please start with Season 1, Episode 1, and work your way from there. Mom, Mom, Mama, what's ParentWise? So when do you want to go to sleep? None time. None time? ParentWise is wildly honest. We talk to real parents about real issues. Parents often have no place to go to figure out what to do and how to fix it. A community of parents who find solutions that work in the real world. The first step to fixing anything is understanding the why of it. Hi, I'm Carrie Jordan. And I'm Dr. B. And, and this, this is ParentWise. Parent Welcome to episode six. Yay! Episode six is going to consist of two interviews. Surprise, surprise. The first one is an interview with a new family, Lindsay and Brad, talking about their six-year-old daughter, Esty. And the second interview will be a follow-up interview with Kelly and Z from last episode, finding out how things went with Nora. To start off, Lindsay and Brad are a couple that I know. I met Lindsay many years ago at work. She lives on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. But whenever we have the ability to see each other, we always do. We're cut from the same cloth, she and I, except for she's more hysterical, maybe. I'm a lot more, I'm much more like kind of, I'm calm. Hmm. Um, (laughs) You don't think I'm calm? Nah. What makes you say that? You've always had a lot of energy. No, but energy and calm are two different things. Meaning, like, if you tell me something, am I going to freak out about it? Oh, yeah, no. no. You're not a freak out person. No, no. But you have good energy. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that I'm low energy. I'm just saying that <laughs> situation happens. No, actually. Someone falls or somebody, you right. know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm very, like, okay, let's deal let's with this and let's this figure is. it out. And I'm, she is more of a, like, you know, let's scream I don't know, but she's delightful. She really is. (laughs) Sometimes the things she says make me not blush because, you know, I very rarely blush. But even I sometimes have, like, just the slightest, like, (laughs) 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 which is another reason I love her because that's very hard to do with me. (laughs) Anyway, and then her husband's, like, just the chillest and just a fantastic guy all the way around. Yep. So we'll be talking to them about their daughter, Esty. When it comes to describing Esty, I actually do the describing. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly how that happened. Well, it's not like you don't know her. No, I do. Obviously, I've known her since she was born. But normally, we have them describe their Mm -hmm. own child. Not (laughs) sure how I ended up jumping in. It's a little embarrassing. (laughs) But oh well. So you get to hear it from me, a third party. Yeah, so let's just go straight into our first interview and talk to them about what's going on with Esty. Great. All right, so we met when we were 15, 16. So that's been a while. (laughs) I was an exchange student in Australia when I was 15. Oh my goodness. I spent six weeks in Australia and he introduced himself to me the first night that I was there. The stud that he was and showed me the Southern Cross in the sky. And I was like, oh my God, Brad Heyman is so hot. She still says that. It was total puppy love. And then I came back to America. We wrote back and forth for a long time. Yeah, we wrote for a couple of years. 
I slept with his picture under my pillow for a while. But then we went to college and like life happened. And then he wrote a letter to every Lindsay White on Facebook. Oh. Looking for me. It's a very common name. And I realized that he'd been looking for me. And then he got transferred to London from Sydney. And I had been picked to work in London. Yeah, within like three months of each other, (laughs) we, we both ended up in London. It was insane. And then he like fell in love with me really hard and really fast. And I was like, you're freaking Uh, me out. It's uh, really weird. Why are you like, (laughs) I just, you know, so exactly how it happened. And then we got married. He was a little heavy handed. (laughs) We were together in London for what? Four months. We got married four months after we were engaged and we got pregnant with Estella six weeks after we were married. Esty is very ahead of her time. <laughs> she's precocious and she has a great vocabulary and she's very girly. She, it's like she's floating on air everywhere she goes. It's so <laughs> she doesn't walk anywhere, she prances. Yes. Oh, she's a thing. She is. Okay, she's six already. She's going into first grade. Yeah. You know that this is all about trying to come up with some solutions for everyday kinds of issues. I think... We got those. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Not solutions, just the issues. Just the issues. (laughs) One of the things I want to do is talk about a little bit about the framework that I use to sort of look at kids in the family. Esty's an only child. If you only have the one only child. And that's the plan. Yep. Right? One and done. Well, his baby maker shut down and I've got an IUD so far up there. Medically impossible. (laughs) Congratulations. So certain things come along with only children, children who are kind of large and in charge. They don't have to compete with anybody. They often think they're adults because for so much of their early life, they are with adults only. And so they learn to talk like adults. They have wonderful vocabularies. And you met a daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Probably pretty accurately. Yeah, she is. Only children kind of have their own little thing going on. And they tend to be assertive. They go into a group. And the next thing you know, they're kind of in charge of it because they think they know how to do everything. Because in the family, where they're the only kid, they're getting lots of positive feedback. I'm kind of curious about if you've thought about any particular kind of behavior that kind of drives you a little wonky. Is she there? Yeah, she's in the back room. Okay. I'm like, this isn't nearly as effective if she can hear us. (laughs) (laughs) There are two things that are driving me particularly crazy at the moment. One is, I don't know how to describe it, except it's like a full body meltdown. If she doesn't get what she wants, it's like this. (laughs) (laughs) And it is... The worst thing I've ever seen, and it's so hard. Give me an example of when she does that. Like, what was the situation that she didn't... She wanted dessert. Yeah, it's always about when the answer is no. Right. So the response to the answer... She didn't eat all of her dinner. So she couldn't have dessert. And we said, you can't have dessert. And the response to the answer no used to be... Or yeah. like a but storm now, away or something. Her now there's this raw, like, total like, rage. Oh it's not going to change the answer. Her knees buckle. Oh my God, it's so bad. That's it a good example. It drives me insane. Does she do it in public? 
Not so much. She no, gets, because she's too embarrassed she gets in embarrassed. public. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, she knows what she's doing is embarrassing and she wouldn't embarrass herself in that way. Yeah, no, no, yeah. She would, no so she definitely it, doesn't I, do it in public. It's so it bad. It drives me insane. It sounds think, amazing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> if there is a button that can be pushed, that girl, she, oh, oh, she knows exactly what to do. I, I can't even get it. She plays harder with you emotionally than she does with me right do you spend more time with her um no, no I, really. I think it's probably an even split personally so. i'll tell you i think she does it more with you because you react more i mean it's a lot more fun to do it with you than it is with brad brad doesn't react as well well and this he, is- i mean brad you should work on that <laughs> yes, ma'am. i sure you do react but not many people respond in Lindsay fashion which can be very <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> Plus the power of me. Yeah. And we wonder where she got it from. <laughs> I know. Exactly. She is her mother's daughter. So a thing to know is that children don't do things that don't work. They only do what works. Mm-hmm. When she's having this meltdown, that means she's getting some of what she needs from you. Okay. And you may not even be aware that that's happening. You may be doing something as simple as clenching your teeth and the muscles right here. She can see these working like. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are a couple of things you can do when she's having the meltdown. Drikers used to call this spitting in their soup. Sounds pretty ugly. <laughs> so when you spit in someone's soup, you are much less likely to want to eat it, right? Yeah. Okay. So what you say to her is. It's okay. I think it's time for you to have a really big meltdown now. It's okay. And you can do that. And I'll just be over here when you're done. So you prescribe it. You go ahead and tell her to do it because you already know it's likely to come. And what you really send the message is, if you want to have a meltdown, you can have a meltdown, but I'm not going to get involved and I'm not going to be upset and I'm not going to be your audience. Because if you're the audience... Oh, that's the big one right there. That is the big one. That is the big one. I think many a time she's had a meltdown and we've said, okay, carry on. But we sat there and watched it. Yeah. Are you done yet? Are you done yet? The outcome wasn't the change, but it never stopped any meltdowns from reoccurring. Right. So you can tell her if she'd like to have a meltdown, bedroom is probably the place she wants to have it. And if she chooses to be with the two of you, then the two of you remove yourself. You know, Mm. you might go into the bedroom and shut the door and you say, sweetie, we're glad to come out when you're done. We really enjoy time with you, but this seems to be your time to be upset and it's really okay. You can just do it. You know, we're not going to watch it. There's nothing we can do to help you. Go on ahead and do this. And what I think you'll see is a real decrease because it no longer impacts either one of you. You've given her permission. You've said, go on ahead and do it. Now, you have to follow that up with some training. Training is when you get upset, and you do this only when she's calm. When you get upset, what do you think we could do? What do you think you could do? Have you ever given in to that? Like, no. I don't think no, so. No, I refuse to reward that. Yeah. But at the same time, I also don't probably respond to it very well. I also yeah, I, I, am like... I think there's been talk. Or just do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if you guys just did it back? Around on her and just did that. Like, what would she do? 
I had the grocery store. You might want to think about it because that would be awesome. I had a conversation with Molly where it was just me talking. I was like, yeah. you don't even need to speak. Save your breath. I already know how this conversation is going to go. I don't want to go to camp. I know, but you need to go to camp. But I don't want to go to camp. <laughs> like this five minute conversation. And she's just looking at me like, fuck you. We can pre-record that. Just yeah. say, here you go, kid. I don't want to go to camp. I always say, that's okay. You can want to not go to camp. Yeah. It's all right. Uh-huh. You can do that. It doesn't mean you won't go, but you can feel like that. Give them permission. It's like giving them permission to feel what they're feeling, but also backing it up by saying... It's not going to change. Your it feelings doesn't, it doesn't change gonna what's going to happen. Exactly. But it's okay that you feel that way. Well, and it's something, if you think about it, it's what we would do if our child needed a vaccination. I don't want to get a shot. Well, yeah, we know that. It's, it's not, not fun. But it's a necessity, so. That's right. That's right. It's kind of like that mindfulness stuff, like <laughs> understanding that you, you've got a thought that and you it's don't okay want to go, but to you're getting it. on the bus. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be the action. It's, yeah. <laughs> I made your lunch last night. You're getting on that bus. <laughs> So the total body meltdown is one of the best things I've ever heard. Let's listen to it again. It's like this. I'm going to insert it a number of times, I think, forever. (laughs) (laughs) And the funny thing is, is that I can't find the recording that she sent me, but she sent me an actual recording of SD having one of these meltdowns. And it was very accurate. She did a spot-on interpretation of her daughter's meltdown. It's pretty amazing. Like, it's really something. Well-developed. She goes all in. She goes all in. And I think, you know, if you're going to tantrum, you want to go all in. Yeah, absolutely. So, So let's talk about which of the goals of misbehavior this could possibly be. And then how we will know, you know, based on kind of how things come out. Right. Well, I'm assuming our listeners have listened to the first three episodes. So when they instruct her to have her meltdown in her room so that when she's done, she can come back and talk with them. If she does that, then we know it's an attention-getting goal. Because if it's anything other than that, she's not likely to do it. So if you were to say to her, Esty, please go to your room, and she would say no, Mm-hmm. or she'd just ignore you, or the temper tantrum got worse, then it would be one of the other goals. But if she cooperates, I'm guessing she'll cooperate and go into her room. So let's guess that it's attention-getting behavior. Okay. And the prescription, the consequence, is that you need to do this somewhere not around people. So you ask her to go to her room. If she doesn't want to, you go to your room. Right. You know, so if they won't remove themselves, you remove yourself. Right. And so the consequence here is if you're going to behave in a way that's not suitable to be around other humans, you can't be around other humans. Not necessarily saying that the feelings are wrong or not warranted. Correct. But that the behavior, the actual meltdown itself, is not a way to get results. No one's going to say, like, oh, wow, you know, that's a pretty epic tantrum. Let's just go ahead and give her dessert. (laughs) You know, like, instead of an Oscar, let's reward her with a cookie. (laughs) Would be a mistake. Well, hopefully a few parents do that, and they were not doing that. They were just giving her an audience, which for her is, you know... Was sufficient. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the attention, if this was attention getting, that's the attention she was looking for. So why 
stop. And long game, parenting-wise, we're really looking at the ability for a kid to self-soothe, to get themselves from a place of hysteria to a place of calm, where then they can go and, you know... Get some problem solving. Yeah, exactly. Do some problem solving and get their attention that they want in a different way. Right. And then allowing them to do that. And then also letting them know that certain behaviors are going to make you unpopular to be around. <laughs> Not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that if you're going to indulge your every emotion, your every whim, your every everything, that it's going to exhaust people and people are going to have a hard time being around you. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is not wanting to try anything new. Yeah, yeah. Trying new things is sometimes you almost got to surprise her with it. Like, for example, we were down on the Cape and I wanted to take her out and play mini golf. Oh my God. And she's like, I don't want to play mini golf. <laughs> she's embarrassed to fail. Sure, I was going to say, I can see why. Yeah, but of course, like everything that we get her to try, that's, I don't know. And she loves it. She loves it. And, you know, five minutes in, oh, this is the best thing ever. Can we do it again? Can we do it Yeah. But getting her to try something new is a challenge. It's infuriating. Like, here's a good example. She did soccer, which Mm -hmm. she loved. We had a bunch of friends. We signed her up for basketball and... The first day of basketball, like the kids' high school team here in town, huge dudes, huge. They were the ones like running the drills and Mm -hmm. she showed up and she wasn't prepared. We didn't know. Mm -hmm. Never had a kid in basketball before. (laughs) And she walked in and saw all of these huge guys. Men, high school boys, but to a six-year-old, five-year-old like these she are grown men. Was and she she horrified. thought she was playing against them. It was yeah, bad. yeah. So and we never recovered from that. We never recovered so from that. So basketball the first thing. is out. So hold Done. on. So she ended up not going to class. She freaked out. No, you no, no. we made her go. Mm-hmm. I literally sat with her at her last basketball practice and I, I was like, fine, you're not gonna play? Fine, but you're gonna stay here and we're gonna you're here. We're yeah. here. And she sat on my lap and sobbed for like 45 minutes. It, I wasn't there for this one, but it sounded pretty traumatic. It was awful and for I, both of us. Yeah, I was, did do a couple of the basketball sessions after that. So she I, went I, again? No, you just can't like give up. Yeah, we went back. We did the full season, but she just never got over that first day of basketball. And she just... No, because she, she was she embarrassed. Yeah. And God forbid yeah. she gets embarrassed and someone makes the mistake of laughing. Then it's really over. The thing that's so important is to model for her mistakes so that when the two of you are together, the three of you are together, you want to say to her, oh, I made this really big mistake at dinner time. I put in too much salt and I thought I was going to have to throw this out, you know, or, you know, I made something and it turns out I really didn't like it. That was a big mistake because you didn't like it either. I ended up having to say this when I accidentally smushed her finger in the door mm-hmm. is we were talking about being embarrassed about stuff when we make mistakes. And I was like, I get embarrassed too. I said, remember when I smushed your finger? She's all, yeah. I'm like, that was embarrassing. You're not supposed to smush your kid's finger in the door. <laughs> I'm oh. like, I'm supposed to keep you safe, not hurt your finger. And she was like, oh. And she goes, what else have you done that's embarrassing? Like she, <laughs> she was like a junkie for a while. Like she just wanted to know. Because I was like, you know, sweetie, you need a nice voice in your head. 
You need a voice that says kind things to you to say, it's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. From where they sit, we look pretty perfect. And it's because we're calling the shots and they never see us. Well, we, they, we're all they know. That's right. We are the sun and the moon to them. And you don't question the sun and the moon. Yeah, and you, we make things better. They're hungry, yeah. we feed them. They well, need you to guys are the, we're the ones that bring them. It's, yeah, you guys are God. You guys are everything. You guys are everything to them. And so, which is why we don't, luckily, we don't make mistakes in such a constant way that they don't feel safe. And I think it's important for kids to have a safety with the fact that they can make mistakes and we can make mistakes and we can work it out. And that it's something we learn to step over. We say, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to have to do better next time. Do we sound normal though? These are like normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. All of this falls into the category of normal human misbehavior. This is what kids do. And you always have to understand that just about the time you think you've got it handled, all of a sudden it's something different. Uh And you think, oh no, now what am I going to do? Because they take a left turn and now they're doing something else that drives you crazy. That's their way of exploring what are the boundaries of my relationship with you as parents? What are you going to let me do? And what can I get away with? So this one's interesting. It's not necessarily a misbehavior. It could be like a refusal to try something that then ends up kind of being a power thing, but it doesn't appear that that is what this is. And it's very common. Most children get to a certain point and they know what's comfortable, they know what's familiar, and they just as soon stick with that. Sometimes the unfamiliar is really hard for them, Mm -hmm. and it's really important to help children get beyond that. We also talk about how, especially with only children, that because they don't have other kids around, they think everything needs to be done perfectly because their parents, in their mind, do everything perfectly. Right. Kind of a little bit like losing face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to blow my cover. They'll see I'm really a kid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right now, nobody knows. Um, Not even me. I know, exactly. You know, with the basketball, what I love is that they saw it through. They didn't allow her to quit. Right. Do you remember when you were little and I signed you up for soccer? Yes. Both you and your brother. I was so good. Oh. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You heard the, uh. (laughs) And about halfway through the season, you said, oh, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And... We had to have a talk about, you know, yeah, you're part I, of a team yep. and we need to finish this. <laughs> even though you're taking that team down, <laughs> <laughs> you will stay with them, even though they would rejoice if you didn't show up. We are still showing up. And you did stay for the season. Yeah. And then we were done. And then we were done. Exactly. And I think that's so important to do and really shows perseverance if that's not Absolutely. If that's not a, a long game parenting lesson, I don't know what is, right? And then, of course, you know, the thing that we always talk about and we'll talk about, I think, almost in every episode is that bringing your life into focus for your child. So sharing your life with your child in a way that's appropriate so that they see that you go through the exact same things that they right. go through. Right. I know it's just surprising to kids when we talk to them about we make mistakes every day because they don't see the mistakes. Everything they look at with us looks perfect. Yeah. And unless we point out those mistakes, they're going to continue to think that grown-ups are perfect and that's why they want to be grown-up because they'll stop making mistakes. And they have to understand 
that is the norm for everyone. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets to have a day without a mistake. This is something that they cannot eliminate. It's not something that they can eliminate in their life. It's always going to be there, which I think is a tough lesson to learn, but an important lesson to learn. You have to get good at this. You have to get good at failing. You have to get good at screwing up. You have to get good at being embarrassed. Right. Because those are things you're going to do for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't know. She's probably too young for this. But one of my embarrassment stories that always makes me chuckle because I don't know. I didn't have any time to plan it, but it was a good one. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, well played, Gary. Um, <laughs> but I had gone to the show, like, to see a band. And the guy in the band that I knew fairly well, this is when I was a makeup artist and he was a male model. So anyway, he'd invited me to this thing. And so, you know, a bunch of us had gone. And after the show, he came out and we were in the parking lot and we were just all talking amongst ourselves. And he wanted me to know that I had a big piece of pepper in my teeth. Which he told me in front of everybody, which is fine. I mean, I always thought, like, I liked how candid he was about yeah. that and that he actually told me, because I hate it when people don't tell me that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and you find like, out hey, later. you have a giant booger hanging from your nose, you know, or whatever, like something. <laughs> tell me, Jesus. So he's like, oh, you have a, a really big piece of pepper in your teeth. And so I use my finger and I scratch the pepper off and then I very carefully put it in my pocket. <laughs> I just put it very gently into the pocket of my pants. And, you know, I mean, I was like, okay, we'll just save that one for later. And it was one of those things that, you know, I was embarrassed, obviously. And as I was, like, scratching my tooth trying to find this giant piece of pepper, I'm like, I've got to own this. Like, I have to own this in some way. Like I said, I don't know if she is old enough to really understand the implications of, you know, talking to a cute boy and having food in your teeth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I hope not, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, um, not so that sense. might have to wait. But it is one of my finer owning of embarrassing moments. What I want to do, what I do want to do is, is make sure that we're really concise about the two specific issues that you guys, that we talked about. And one was the full body meltdown. And then the other one was trying new things. The trying new things, that's a long game. That is. That's a long game thing. But like it, that's not, we're, we're not going to talk to them in two weeks. And they're like, no, she'll try new things. You know? No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and this business of, there's no sense trying to be perfect because that just isn't going to happen for any of us. And perfect is boring. (laughs) It really is. I am not boring. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely not boring. No, he is not boring. He is definitely not boring. But I wouldn't say he's exciting either. Honestly, he lies somewhere in between. (laughs) (laughs) This interview was incredibly long, and there was so much that we had to cut out about, especially involving food, because Brad is a really good cook. And one of the hangups that he has is because, you know, the not wanting to try something new, a lot of times Esty won't eat his food. And he gets upset about that, especially, he says, when he knows it's good. (laughs) And so he mentions that in the interview about how he makes her sit and eat. You know, he and Lindsay kind of go back and forth because that's not a thing for Lindsay. And I know how that is because Pasha and I are the same way. I don't really care if she eats one way or another. She just doesn't get a treat. He does care, especially when he's made something for her. (laughs) So that was a really interesting thing 
to kind of discuss. And it was really like more about kind of what our triggers are and also how we mimic our parents. Right. I was going to say so much of that comes from our own family background. Right. And Lindsay spoke to the fact that her father used to make her sit and finish her milk, no matter like how warm it got, how disgusting it would be. She would have to sit and then finish her milk, which is why she would never do that to her child. And then... Brad's father also did the same thing, which is why he does it. So it's like one went the opposite way and one's kind of going the same way. So it'll be interesting to see. We talked a lot about, does she serve herself or do they serve her? Right. If she serves herself, then you can explain to her that she is accountable for the food that she puts on her plate, so she shouldn't put too much. Right. And she kind can of, always have seconds. Yeah, and give her control over how much right. food she puts on her plate. And also really just talking about how making food an issue is not a good idea. If you can avoid that, avoid it. Yep. it just especially with a child who is a control freak because it's just an invitation for problems. And, you know, you've got to decide what battles you want to fight in your life. And we eat every day. Do you want to be doing oh, no. this all the time? Not just every day as if it were once a day. You know, we're talking two, three meals and snacks. You feed people two to three meals a day and snacks? I uh, used to. Huh. You don't remember? Are you saying I should be feeding them two to three meals a day and (laughs) snacks? Yeah. Huh. Okay. I'll consider it. Sounds expensive. Do you have children who struggle with math? Do you struggle helping your children with math? If so, we have a great series of books written by Danica McClellar. She has written books for children between the ages of preschool and college, and I think you'll find them truly helpful. You can find this and other resources by going to our website, parentwise.com, our picks. So now we get to do our follow-up with Kelly and Z. So with Kelly and Z, we had talked about a couple of different things. One was sass. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And I love that. We'll see. I like it. <laughs> I think it would be easier and better for both of us, Dad. You know, what's so funny about those comments is that they come right out of their parents' oh, mouth. of course. The first time I heard something like that was when you were three and I needed you to come in for lunch. And I said, Carrie, it's lunch. And I hear back from the room, you were so little. <laughs> Just a minute. Yeah. <laughs> in the same. In the same way that you did it. In the same way that I did it. In the, yes. the same tone. And I, it just stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we caught up with them and they had done some of their homework. Right. And some, not as much. Right. But we will listen and, and hear kind of what the results, what the results were. Right. All right. One of them was that I would get frustrated over, you know, the amount of sass or the, you know, now I'm just not going to do it or what have you that I would get from Nora. And, you know, your suggestion was to say, I can't hear you when you speak with me that way or, you know, we can talk about this when you are ready to speak to me in a more polite way, et cetera, et cetera. So just to, you know, to not engage. And so I did try it. I will admit I only tried a couple of times. I had to, like, actively remember and check my rage in advance. But interestingly enough, the few times that I did, <laughs> I did try, she actually swung the complete opposite way and then immediately got, like, super weepy and was like, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she is uh, nothing if not a drama queen, that's for sure. So then when she reacted that, 
that way. And then I said, you know, I really appreciate that you're sorry. Thank you for telling me. I still need you to da 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 da. Right. Right. You know, after she needed a hug and then a kiss. And then once we finally got through that, then she went and did whatever it was. So it took a little bit longer than I would have hoped for, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, but we did get there. <laughs> I wonder uh, if she will do that every time you say that to her. I think starting from a very young age, I noticed, let's say that she spilled something or whatever, like she was saying that she knew she did something wrong. She would try to hide, but if we walked in, before we could even get mad, she would like spin in tears then be like, I didn't mean to, I'm so sorry. And so, you know, I almost, to the point where I almost felt like it was a little bit of manipulation, yeah. like get out of getting into trouble, she would just go so far, like over into the, you know, dramatic zone. So, which I mm-hmm. kind of feel like this is a little bit of the same thing. Right. Um, That's why I was asking if she was doing yeah. it consistently. I never really experienced it like that. As a couple of times I walked in and one time, the time she spilled the decorative silver beads, and then one time she, like, peed on the bathroom floor. Both those times, to me, she seemed, like, genuinely frightened. I never thought of it as manipulation. I think what Kelly was basically saying, though, is that she tends, we feel she tends to ignore tends towards the dramatic anyway. Yes. yes. So it might be part of her. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, yesterday, she's, or not yesterday, two days ago, she was upset with us. And she declared that she was going to go up to her room and make a lot of noise and stormed <laughs> off. <laughs> then that's a quote. <laughs> so, I mean, matter, you know, like, what do you do with a person like that? Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> exactly. Go. If that's go how you express yourself, go for it. <laughs> yeah. You'll be in your room, right? right. You'll be in your room. <laughs> did she do that? She did do that. She, yeah. did, she literally did exactly what she said she was going to do. It didn't last very long, though. And no, it didn't last very long. And afterwards, did you say anything to her? She came back down. She calmed down. She came back down, and then she apologized. So I do think, like, I do think it was effective. I do think she probably, I mean, she is who she is, so she probably will always have, like, a little bit of that, you know, emotional swing, emotional swing, and then, yeah, and then back to center, you know? I don't have the issue with bursting into tears, but I do have the rage, so I just need to check my own. (laughs) Just wait wait for her to meet me in the center. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were trying to do Kumon, which you guys know is our other our other pet peeve thing. Right. The Kumon, it was the show of inadequacy. I can't do it. Yes. And that one, we could not remember what your advice was. We're so sorry. <laughs> it was hitting. It was actually just yeah. smack her. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Mom. She's like going crazy. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though. The part of the frustration, at least for me, with the Kumon, is, you know, she's young, and it's difficult for her to concentrate. But I think this is part of the acting that she's doing. She knows this stuff. Yeah. yeah. But she's not doing it consistently. And I know consistency doesn't come, you know, asking consistency from a four-year-old, that's not, <laughs> it's crazy. But it's hard for me to figure out how to elicit and coax out of her without me yelling. The sterner I am with it, the more she kind of resists, and the sure. more she does it kind of, lackadaisically she'll kind of look away but then when we talk to her tutors or her teacher that's right her tutor especially they're like oh she does great yeah so so another I mean, you know, performs for them but she doesn't for you 
Exactly. Obviously, they're professionals, and they and the people at Kumar probably teach, you know, 24-year-olds a day. It's not that. It's not that. She knows the two of you, and she knows exactly how you're going to respond. And it's her way of engaging because it's a push-pull. It's a power contest, you know. You want her to do yeah. it, and you get angry. You said, I get angry when she doesn't do it. That means you're involved yeah. in a power contest, and the only way to deal with a power contest is to put your end down. Okay, and if you can imagine the tug of war. Drop the rope. Drop the rope. What happens to her? She's going to fall yeah. back on her butt, and then there's no resistance anywhere. She can't fight with anybody who's not available to her. Mm. So my natural instinct to just crush her. Yeah. Is, yeah. is wrong. That's, that's, exactly. <laughs> if you're arguing with a four-year-old, you've already lost. But <laughs> I find myself arguing with a four-year-old. Yep. It's true. That's so true. <laughs> so what you have to do is you have to catch yourself and you say to yourself, what's going on here? And mm -hmm. you have to step away. I, now, I'm curious about something. Why is she in Kumon? Is she behind? <laughs> I mean, is she behind? Ronnie is a tiger dad. No, she's in a, it's a tough neighborhood. It's a, look, don't get on me. That place is tough. And there's a bunch of four-year-olds. There's multiple kids from her school that she knows that go there. That's her competition. It's in part keeping up with the Joneses, and then in part, like, we are, I'll speak for myself, and you can go, I am not the type of parent who's going to, like, sit down and, you know, read with her and go through the letters, and I don't do that, and so we just need to pay somebody else to do it for us. <laughs> yeah, we're also not, like, a e-student-tolerant family. <laughs> Well, and you need to look at that closely because the truth of the matter is if that's how you feel about it, she's going to figure that out very quickly and this will become the game. Yeah. You want her to do something and she knows exactly what will hit that button. And yeah. I mean, she's a very bright little girl. There are plenty of ways yeah. for her to learn this stuff. And if the teacher is saying she's not behind, you want to be really careful not to get her into that competitive thing because learning isn't about competition. Learning is all about oh, no. the business of finding something that works for you so that you can do something more fun, like reading or playing a game. And, oh, of course, of course. Um, yeah, I think what it's about figuring out how you want life to be going forward because she likes the drama. She clearly likes the drama. She likes mm -hmm. the back and forth. And so more you have specific desires for grades and things like that, the more she is going to know that that's just something that she can easily do to engage you. And you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage, especially considering the fact that, you know, a lot of people who were very successful did not get good grades in school. It's not necessarily indicative of a good life. You know what I mean? Oh, I, oh, I understand. No, no, no. I understand. It's more, for me, it's more about having a way, understanding that sometimes you have to see a task and do the task. Right. And getting the discipline to make sure she sees the task and do the task. She doesn't have a lot of burden in her life, right? Kelly and I stay married. She's going to have a pretty easy life. <laughs> That's a big if. Big if. There's only a question mark. 
There's always a question mark with your attitude. There's always a question. But I do want to say that it makes sense what you guys are saying. I have the shorter temper between the two of us. And so between Brian and doing Kumon with Mora, it like, I mean, it literally drives me insane. And so because I can't default to just outright rage every single time, you know, what I've started doing is just saying, you know, hey, if you can't do this right now, let's just put it away and we'll do it later. Or, you know, if you can't do this, we'll just let the teacher know we didn't get to this one. And then she will immediately be like, no, 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 I want to do it. And exactly. I probably have to say that like three or four times in a single session, but we do eventually get through it. You know, so she, so it's for whatever reason, <laughs> she does not want to disappoint her teachers, but disappointing right. her parents is a-okay. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely within the range of normal. And the thing you want to remember is that children at this age aren't interested in learning for learning's sake. Do you know what I mean? It becomes no. chore. But, for instance, once mm-hmm. she finds out she's going to have a baby brother or a sister, you can say, boy, won't it be fun? You're going to know how to read, and you're going to be able to read to the baby, and the baby won't know anything. When you get older, you're going to be able to teach the baby, and that's because you're learning it now, and the baby won't learn it for a very long time. And you have to find ways outside the typical classroom <laughs> scenario that make it worthwhile, that make it, you know, okay. Rue will say, I don't want to learn. I don't want to learn. <laughs> and I love what Carrie says. She says, you know, that's okay. You know, you have to go to school, but you don't have to learn. But it's going to mm-hmm. kind of make things hard for you. And she kind of looks up with the puzzle. She said, you know, if you want to be able to drive, you have to be able to read because you have to read the stop signs. And the signs on the road, they tell you what to do. And I want you to keep something else in mind. Mm-hmm. There are going to be days if she has a bad day in school and she comes home and she can tell you about it and that's going to happen as she gets older, you can factor that in to today was yeah. a bad day. And maybe we should not do that. So, maybe we should just do something fun to balance out the day for her. And we'll do the work in the morning. What do you think about that? And yeah. helping her to know that you're listening to her. It's mm-hmm. called empathy, Verani. Empathy. <laughs> I don't know. Empty? What's empty? I don't understand. <laughs> My heart? Empathy. Empathy. Yeah. Neither Verani or I have mm-hmm. that. I, I, know, I don't know. I'm not just I'm, talking to you, Z. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no. Neither of our parents have it, so there's not a lot of, not a lot of like, generational. We'll do our best to take it. So, you know, besides the fact that they're both dead inside, I think that they're wonderful parents. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I know. (laughs) I just love them all. Empathy. Empathy. (laughs) And they're like, how you say? (laughs) Well, one of the things I really enjoy about them is that they, in many ways, are aware of who they are as parents, what they are good at, and what they're not necessarily good at. And I think that that's worth mentioning. Definitely, you want to obviously work on some of the stuff that you're not good at as a parent. But I also believe that 
you know, you can't be good at everything. Well, and you can't start a new behavior and expect to do it exactly right every time or that you'll even catch it. I mean, you may not remember to do a new behavior with a child until you're deep into it. Yeah. And the next time you'll sort of catch it at the beginning of when you're into it. And hopefully the third or fourth time you'll be able to catch yourself before so that you can actually implement some of the things. So, for example, if... Nora was getting sassy and they're in this like argument phase then to realize okay I'm arguing with her right so now I'm going to say I'm not going to argue with you anymore I don't want to talk to you when you're sassy with me I'm not going to hear you when you're sassy correct or when you don't speak to me with respect and kindness and then so you're doing it in the middle of maybe you know you catch yourself going okay this was not the road I wanted to go down so I'm going to use it now mm-hmm. which still is effective Right. And then the next time, as soon as she says it, Mm -hmm. you're able to do that. And then another thing I think, and this is something that I've been able to do with Rue a little bit because I know her responses so well, is I will say, I'm going to give you an answer, but I want you to think about how you're going to respond to the answer. Before you freak out, I want you just to think about it. And that way, kind of giving her... A heads up. A heads up, right? And... You know, before you get upset, don't forget to be respectful and kind, even if you're upset. She responds super well to that. I don't know if every kid would, but she in particular does. I think most kids, when they're given a heads up, because that's such a respectful thing to do, and we tend to just sort of plow our way through. We act often as if what we do, we know from our own parenting experience, and yet most of us have a lot of things in our childhood that we would not want to repeat with our children. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the thick of it, we do those reflexive things. Right. And so to begin to retrain yourself is really tricky. And one of the things that most of us need retraining in, because the culture was never really to consider a child's feelings. Children were really supposed to do what the parents said no matter what. Mm-hmm. We now want our children thinking about what we say, having a conversation, not about everything, because there are certain things, they're just done, mm-hmm. you know. But when we're in a position to have a conversation, we would like them to talk with respect. We want them to consider our feelings. And the only way that happens is if we consider their feelings. Right. Modeling. Modeling, right. But what you said in there, and I just want to, because I think it bears a repeating, is that Sometimes there is no room for discussion. Right. Absolutely. And that needs to be a known. I'm going to give you an answer, and then there's no room for discussion. The answer is the answer. Right. If you're going to get upset, you need to do it somewhere else, because we're not going to have a conversation about this. Right. I wonder if this is the place for me to talk about the conversation you and I had when you were maybe nine or ten, when all the kids... Oh, that one? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I remember that conversation. I'll bet the you time do. you talked to me when I was nine. Yeah. But... Most people don't, but this no. was memorable. Okay, which one You were invited to a birthday party that was a birthday party with dinner and a movie and a sleepover. Right. And the whole class was invited. The boys were invited, too. Yep. Boys yeah. were invited, too. And I said, well, sure, you can go to the birthday and you can have dinner and you can see the movie but you're not going to be spending the night. And you challenged me. You said, why? Everybody else is doing it. And I said, well, sweetie, I don't necessarily do what everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't think it's appropriate at any age for girls and boys to have sleepovers together. Do you remember what you said? No, I don't think I do. (laughs) Not in the way that you would. Oh, yeah. You said, what? 
you think I'm going to get pregnant? <laughs> well, that's a valid question. Yes, yes. <laughs> I didn't even have my period. So I no. know. <laughs> and I was stunned. It just stunned me into silence for a moment. And I said, no, sweetie, I don't think that. There were a few other parents mm-hmm. who had the same belief and yeah. did the same thing. And you survived. Barely. <laughs> no, it's marked you I for life. I pregnant, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the movie. We did a little bit of talking about why they have her in Kumon. Mm-hmm. the tutoring service at four. And, you know, I think a lot of parents want to give their child a leg up. They want to make their lives easier. They want to put them into a position where they are ahead or at least make sure that they're right with everybody else. Right. They're also thinking, you know, scholarships, if they're really good at this one sport, if they're really good at this one, right. you know, at this musical but- instrument. We tend to be way ahead of ourselves, and the thing that we always want to remember is that little kids are little kids, and the most important thing they have is their ability to play mm-hmm. and to figure out how to engage themselves in the world. And we're not now talking electronics. We're talking learning how to play interactively with other kids and learning how to occupy their time. It's important that we not just overstructure a child. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean your child shouldn't be in Kumon or shouldn't be in dance or shouldn't be in soccer. It does mean that we have to be very careful not to overprogram them and to expect too much from them mm-hmm. because we don't want to give them a sense of being overwhelmed or having a sense of failure or not living up to what our expectations are. Yeah, my feeling about it is even simpler than that. Their lives will never be this simple again, ever. They'll never have this amount of time to play and to kind of explore their world and their, you know what I mean? Like, this is as non-stressful as their lives will ever be. The older you get, the more stress is introduced because the more situations you're dealing with, right? Right. And the higher the stakes become because the shorter your life becomes. In my mind, I really want to draw that out as much as I possibly can for my girls. Yeah. Because I just think to myself, like, they're going to be working so hard for most of their lives. Right. I want them to have as much of this, like, sweet time as possible. That's not a life I want to lead either. Right. You know? Being that parent who's shuttling kids back and forth to 15 different things in a week. One, here's one of those examples of the thing that I've talked about a bunch in terms of what qualifies me to be a part of this. I've watched those kids who had tutoring and horseback lessons and, or, you know, soccer and, you know, baseball and dance. And I've seen all of it. And I swear I can't name one of those kids who came out better as an adult, further ahead as an adult, and more successful as an adult than the kids who didn't have that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this wraps up... Episode 6. Episode 6. Very nice. I think so. We really appreciate your comments and your feedback. You'll be able to do that by leaving comments and questions and suggestions on our Facebook page. Also, if you'd like to connect with others in our community, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. We would appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, and leave a review. You can get a summary of our key takeaways from this episode on our website. That's parentwhys.com. Finally, if you would like to be interviewed, write us explaining your issue and we will do our best to get back to all of you. 